Welcome to Off the Bounces, the NBA podcast that you did not know you needed in your life. I'm your host, Nissan. That's right, Nissan. And I'm joined by Vic Nash. Hey, hey. And guess what, guys? I got your fun fact. Hey, Vic Nash, did you know that we just officially kicked off Gadget off our show? Say word. Yep, it's true. But not only that, guys, we actually have a special guest for us. What it do, baby? Rax here. <laughs> we are joined by our friend Rax to give you guys a look at day one of NBA free agency. That's right. The new season has officially started today. Welcome to the 2019-2020 NBA season. And just a friendly public service announcement. Your Raptors are your reigning defending NBA champions. Did y'all boys not get the memo? Let's do it. I so, like the sound of that. I, ooh, like the sound of that. I that that never gets old. So, where do we start? That NBA free agency frenzy. You know, the new new 6 p.m. 6 p.m. time on June 30th really helped us. Let's go straight into it. The Brooklyn Nets, the dumpster fire Brooklyn Nets have signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to four-year deals worth $141 million. That's right, less than the less than what they could have given them. And they've also signed DeAndre Jordan to a four-year $40 million deal. So guys, how do we feel about the dumpster fire nets? Nissan, I'll start off with you. No longer the dumpster fire nets. I mean, these guys showed, you know, some are saying they swept free agency, which is cool and all. I mean, I think Utah's up there as well, but... I mean, it's surprising. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we thought it was going to be like the New York Knicks, you know, unloading Kristaps. They're going to get the first the first pick. They're going to get Kyrie. All the rumors started. Listen, I went to an NBA store in New York, and I asked them, hey, how do you guys feel about Kyrie coming to the Knicks? And they were super excited. And the fact that they lost it to the Brooklyn Nets, oh, heartbreaking. But you know what? I'm excited to see them play. I'm excited to watch them play. This season's obviously a write-off because Kyrie's – it's only going to be the Kyrie and DeAndre show. Um, you know, we have Kevin Durant with the Achilles injury. So not this year, but the following year could be very dangerous for them. Okay, so going deeper into this, you know, free agency, huge splash. Rax, how do you feel about this starting lineup going forward and, like, how Kyrie and KD fit into this lineup? You know what, guys? I think this lineup is going to be very diff- deadly offensively. Um but that's pretty much it, honestly. When I saw the Nets come to fruition, the entire team, I wasn't entirely as scared or threatened in comparison to when Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors. But I definitely think that they're going to be big time. They're going to be very exciting to watch, and there's going to be a bunch of highlights. So you're so you're not even sold on the fact that there is, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, you got, you got Karis LeVert joining two superstar players and a very solid big man in DeAndre Jordan. A, you know, a Skywalker, you would say. Really? I, I mean, he's been kind of washed for like the last two years. He's still good, though. He needs to wash his hair. I, I agree with that one, actually. <laughs> so, moving on, we've got our friendly guys from, you know, the, um, the city of brotherly love. Your Philadelphia 76ers have acquired Al Horford to a four-year, $109 million deal, and they re-upped with Tobias Harris. 
to a five-year, $180 million deal. Now, we all know, regardless, they're going to get beaten by the Raptors in the playoffs. But how does this trade look for the 76ers? Racks. I think the funniest thing is they are the same 76ers team with different players. And what I mean by that is I definitely don't think that they got better in this trade. In fact, I just think that they're neutral. Um, I like Horford because he's going to be one of the main factors in the longevity of maybe a Joel Embiid's career because when he does get tendonitis, he can go to the bench and Horford can pick up that um, offensive threat for him. Um, But when you're looking at the biggest problems of the 76ers, it was never really scoring in the sense of in the paint or having like a big man or a threat in the paint. It was more so three-point shooting, and I definitely think that they did not fix that in this trade. Nissan, what about you? I like the point that you made where, you know, they haven't changed much. I mean, I part of me wants to disagree because I think that addition with Al Horford does give them a little boost. And it does, like you mentioned, when you have, you know, Joel Embiid sitting out because he's a little sick or a little <laughs> hungover, maybe, um, you know, Al Horford can pick up that, you know, that that part of it for him. Right. Especially if it happens in the playoffs like it did in the previous one. Um but I think the key point was that they kind of, I want to say they kind of upgraded from J.J. Redick and getting Richardson. Because you kind of have a borderline 40% three-point shooter who can also defend, which J.J. Redick couldn't do. Um, and now we finally have Tobias Harris, who doesn't have to be the fourth fiddle. He's going to be kind of like the second, I would say. Oh, sorry, not the second, probably the third. Because you still have Ben Simmons, even though he can't shoot, but people like to call him a threat. You know what? Screw it. I think, I think Tobias is going to be the second fiddle to the Joel Embiid. Um, but no, I like I like the additions they made. I think they had a little bit of an upgrade, but hey, we're in Toronto. They're not being the Raptors. I just think the biggest thing that we're not really factoring is the impact of J.J. Redick and what he actually did for them offensively. Now that he's out of the picture, I feel like the entire offense is going to be very shrunk. People are going to just collapse the floor. Like Even Richardson, he's a good player, but he's not an amazing player. When you're looking at Harris too, he's kind of on and off as well. Like he has games where he's on. And there's games that he's off, you know. Horford, he's the only steady piece in that lineup. Ben Simmons, we don't know what we're going to get from him next year. If he comes back with a corner jump shot, okay. You know, now we're talking 76ers are going to be a solid team. And Bede, he posted the crying emoji of himself, you know. So we don't know (laughs) what's going to happen with him next season. But um, I'm not going to rule them out. But I definitely think that they're not any better than they were last year. Listen. We all know whatever happens is going to happen with the 76ers because the Raptors are going back to back. Are you saying Kawhi's going to resign? I don't know. I don't know. But moving on, the weirdest deal that we all could probably have imagined to happen, you know, deep in the wee hours of the night of yesterday, um, D'Angelo Russell completed a sign and trade from the Brooklyn Nets to, and can I get a drum roll, please? The Golden State Warriors. It almost sounded like you were about to say Washington Wizards. <laughs> that would have been great, but yep, you heard it right. D'Angelo Russell to the Golden State Warriors. You know, and in that trade, we've lost Andre Iguodala and essentially have seen kind of the end of the Golden State dynasty. Do you guys believe that the dynasty is over? How does D'Angelo Russell even fit in this trade? Nissan. 
their dynasty was over when the Raptors beat them in game six. Let's be real. Let's be real. They destroyed them, and that's when the dynasty was over. But this is an interesting addition with D'Angelo Russell because, I mean, you're pretty much going really small. You have another offensive threat. Um, obviously, it's because, you know, you have Klay Thompson who's going to be out for half the year. So, you know, that pairing with Steph Curry and D'Angelo is going to be fun to watch because they can both play. I mean, even though they're primary ball handlers, they can both play off the ball and spot up and shoot. And I feel like, you know, D'Angelo kind of going under Steph's wing, sort of, and kind of learning from him and playing, becoming a better off-ball player. Um, you know, it's going to be good for his career, but you got to keep in mind, this could also be like a trade asset for the Warriors, too, if they really, really want to and get a couple pieces back, you know, maybe around the trade deadline because, you know, the Warriors can do that and sometimes you do see that happening. But I still feel like, I mean, if, even if they keep this team and maybe get into the playoffs, they're not going to be a top-seeded team, probably bottom seed, but... They can probably contend. I would say they would contend. Not the finals, but they can make it tough for some of the top-tier teams. I think D'Angelo was a very important piece to the new arena, especially now that the fact that we have Klay Thompson that's out for half the season. You need someone to fill seats, and D'Angelo Russell is very flashy, and he'll do that for you. But like Nissan said, I definitely think that he's not going to be a piece very long-term. In fact, I think he could be traded. We all know that D'Angelo Russell... Kind of needs the ball in his hands. So my questions go as far as, hey, is it going to be primarily Steph Curry? And then D'Angelo Russell has to play that Klay Thompson type of role where he's, you know, coming off screens, coming off the pin down, doing catch and shoots. Because we all know D'Angelo Russell does the bulk of his scoring. And he's a serious threat in the mid-range and with his floaters. And, you know, he loves the ball in his hands, which is decidedly not a very Warriors way of playing basketball, right? We have We've always seen... Like, the offense run through Steph, but it's always been free-flowing. A lot of people touch the rock. So, my my questions go, hey, like, how is this fit of D'Angelo Russell? And with Clay Thompson coming back, like, where does he slide to then? Does Clay, Clay slide to the three and we keep D'Angelo at the, at the two? Or does D'Angelo just come off the bench? Well, we know D'Angelo's not going to come off the bench. But, I mean, Vic Nash, if you were listening to me a little bit earlier, I did say they can both play off the ball, um, which is, I think, was what's going to happen. Um, we will probably see Steph Curry. I mean, I would assume Steph Curry would start off by bringing up the ball, and it's going to be they're going to build their chemistry, right? It's like similar to how you know Kawhi Leonard was integrated into the Raptors lineup, and the chemistry was slowly built throughout the entire season, and then in the playoffs, it kept growing because you know with the additions of Marcus and everyone being healthy in the playoffs, somewhat healthy, quote unquote, um, it grew from there. But again, like. It can go both ways. I feel like they might just see how it works with D'Angelo Russell. And then maybe Clay comes back maybe a little bit earlier. Who knows? But I still feel like maybe around the trade deadlines, one will know if they're going to keep that roster with him or they use him as a trade piece and kind of fill up the roster spot with some really good role players because we know they lost a lot of depth. And the important thing is D'Angelo Russell is amazing in pick and roll. And it's one of those things where if you put him at – the center and let him go at it, your typical pick and roll. You can have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry running off screens. And that's an incredible benefit to have two of the best shooters in the NBA running side to side while you got D'Angelo Russell just running the pick and roll. Yeah, it's similar to like even when KD was with the Warriors. KD is also a primary ball handler too. But when we see KD bring up the ball, Steph has no problem playing off the ball. The dude is literally running all around the court. And the only person that can really keep up is Fred VanVleet, and we've seen that in the playoffs. But, again, like, Steph Curry is not going to mind, you know, taking a step back and not handling the ball as much to let DeAndre Russell, you know, do his thing with a little ice in the veins, maybe, 
at the Chase what is it, Chase Center Arena? Is that what they call it now? Yeah. I mean, like he's no longer. It can't be the Chase Center Arena because no one's really going there to chase rings anymore. But <laughs> um, I think the main thing with D'Lo is he could also learn a thing from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to play off the ball as well, right? Like he could be the same guy and play that similar role of just catching and shooting because, dude, he can shoot it. Um. And with that, what is the over-under on D'Angelo Russell recording someone in the locker room and putting it up on Twitter? I go over. You know what? Better yet, I'm going to be more... I think DeAndre Russell is probably going to be recording Steph Curry when he complains about Aisha Curry or something like that. That's what I see happening. I'm going to have to say over just by the marijuana situation (laughs) that happened recently. Honestly, I had so much faith in him, but after that, I was kind of like, oh my goodness. All right. And with that, we're moving back to the East where we go to now what a lot of people are calling the dumpster fire Celtics, who at one point were the darlings of the league. And stockpiled a bunch of assets, but now have lost it all. Well, this is going to hurt like a mother. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, the Celtics acquired Kemba Walker to a four-year, $141 million sign-and-trade with the Hornets, where they unloaded Terry Rozier to the Hornets, as well as acquiring Ennis Cantor to a two-year and $10 million leave. I mean, deal. And to top it all off, Kyrie Irving is gone. So... Do the Celtics really stand a chance in the East now? They're still going to be a good team. Um, I feel like Kemba will kind of fit right in. It's a Again, you're not going to get the flat earth Kyrie from Kemba. Um, he's a competitor, a real competitor. I mean, Kyrie is too, but he's going to integrate himself into the system. And he says he wants to be on a winning team, um, make the playoffs. And the system that they play in with Brad Stevens, I think, is going to get them to the playoffs. But it's all going to really depend on the younger guys, and in this case now that Terry Rozier is gone, it's Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. You know, can they be that, like, who's going to take that that number one spot, even though Kemba Walker is, you know, you would, you would say he's, he is the best player on that team, right? We already know Jason Tatum wanted to be that guy, and he has, like, that Mamba mentality. Jalen Brown, I mean, he has a huge upside, but again, the young guys, I think it's the attitude that might come into it. Listen, we've seen them go to the conference finals without Kyrie and Hayward, can they put their attitude aside and, you know, play that team basketball and get back there? I don't know, but I think they're going to be fun to watch. You know, we, we have one less or two less people that can kind of butt heads with Terry Rozier and Kyrie gone from the mix. But I think the biggest loss for them is Al Horford because he was the glue guy of that team, right? And we know Ennis Cantor is not going to be filling that role. That's going to be, a, you know, a huge downside for them. But Brad Stevens is a really good coach, and I feel like he can figure it out with the, with the roster he has. What do you guys think? I think the big thing about Kemba is he he's one of those guys that came to the Celtics with the ambition to win. And with that, you need to sacrifice a lot of things. And coming from a situation when you played in the Hornets, you did not win. <laughs> that was the biggest thing about uh, Kemba. And he's thirsty for the win. So in a system where you have Brad Stevens at the top, he's obviously going to try to do his best to put Kemba in a situation to flourish. But I think Terry Rozier brought up a very good point when he talked about the fact that a lot of the possessions were going to Kyrie and Hayward. So if Stevens can do a better job of maybe implementing the young guys, Brown and Tatum, I think they can have success. Hey, the, the whole point is now that with Kyrie gone, Brad Stevens can be the coach of the year that he was, you know, with that, you know, that motion-based, you know, that, that free flow, very Golden State-like, you know, very advanced thinking offense. The one that made Isaiah Thomas... 
you know, in that MVP conversation and he, that made him an all-star, made him a 30-point-per-game score, right? Kyrie Irving, I mean, like, Kyrie Irving wasn't really flying off screens, off the ball, you know. Um, but Kemba, Kemba is someone that, you know, amazing player. Kemba is a box office type player. He will, but but he's not he's not the, you know, the polarizing personality that Kyrie is. So I think that for sure he could fit right in and I think we're going to see the Celtics, you know, rise. One thing I that just you know, cross my mind is the running the place through Kyrie and Hayward. He needs to stop that. Listen, Brad Stevens, we get it. You coached Hayward in the past, but the dude's not 100% to what he was when he was with Utah. He comes off an injury. You know, it's nice and cute that he comes off the bench. Keep him coming off the bench, but he's not there yet. Stop running all these plays for him and just play the team basketball you used to play when he wasn't on the court. You know, they, like if you watch their games, and I don't watch a lot, but obviously the playoffs, I've seen it a little bit of the regular season, but... It just seemed like he tried really hard to find looks for Hayward and Kyrie. Like, you're trying to, like, keep these guys happy because, you know, they're the more tenured, the veteran, there's, they're the all-stars. Like, no. Like, just play with whoever has the hot hand. You know, play your fundamental game that you guys played when they weren't on the court. I think a big thing that Nick Nurse did, and sorry to draw away from um, the Celtics, but Nick Nurse, what he did was he put focus in Pascal Siakam. He had faith in Pascal Siakam. Siakam's a young player, right? Now, if you give young players an opportunity, you never know how well they're going to do, right? So giving that opportunity to a Tatum, giving that opportunity to a Brown, they could really have success. Well then, so are you saying we should screw Gordon Hayward and uh, screw Kemba Walker and just, you know, put them on the bench and then, (laughs) you know, put Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in your starting lineup? Let's listen. Let's not screw anybody here. I'm just saying Gordon Hayward would be better coming off the bench. Um, I just don't think he should be the focal point when he is coming off the bench because he's not going to be like a Lou Will six-man type of player. I mean, he has the upside of it, but let's see how it turns I would say let's see how it turns out. I mean, we didn't see it last season. We didn't see it in the playoffs. He, it just seemed like he forced it a little too much. And when I mean Brad Stevens forced a little too much, they need to go back to how they were without you know those two guys on the court. All right. And now with the Celtics out of the way, since we all love to hate the Celtics, um, we're going to go into a couple re-signs, a couple big re-signs in the Eastern Conference. Um, Nikola Vucevic signed a four million, I mean, sorry, a four-year, $100 million extension with the Orlando Magic. And Chris Middleton re-upped with the Milwaukee Bucks for, four, for five years and $178 million. But in the process, the... Milwaukee Bucks renounced their rights to Malcolm Brogdon, allowing him to sign that four-year, $85 million deal with the Indiana Pacers. Now, which re-signing was the most important and which one is going to be, you know, the one that kind of puts them over the top? Rex. Okay, I think the the one that's going to hurt the most is definitely Malcolm Brogdon. I think him leaving the skill set that he had stretching the floor knockdown shooter amazing defender another guy that can get his own bucket um that's gonna hurt a lot and what did they pick up they picked up another lopez like come on like now you have two lopezes you're not gonna know who's who and we're not gonna know which one's gonna be shooting the threes and which one's gonna be in the paint but um i think with the magic i can't really say that move is gonna put them over the top either um vucevic is an amazing player got exposed a bit by gasol but I think the bigger thing is the signing of 
Aminu. I think that might be a big asset for the Magic, but I don't really see anything as a, an incredible push for both ends. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with Rax on this one. I don't think either team got better. Um, if anything, the Bucks probably downgraded just a slight bit because with that experience from Brogdon is huge. I mean, he was literally the third best player on the Bucks behind Middleton and Giannis. And unless Giannis, you know, MVP season, unless he takes it to another superstar level, I don't see them being such a huge threat, you know, in the East in general. And Orlando, I mean, they had a great, I guess, tail end of the season and then they got into the playoffs. And they're probably on a little bit of a high because they have these young players who finally had that playoff experience, which is going to help. And you have, you know, your all-star in Vucevic. I mean, they're going to be good, but again, not scary enough to like compete in the East. I think the Magic, more than anything, they're going to be one of those teams in the future that might potentially be very good. You have Mo Bamba, you have Isaac, right? And then you got Aaron Gordon. So you have some guys, you have some pieces going forward, but I don't know, man. I don't really think the Magic are going to be a threat in the East. Let's be honest. Are you really beating LeBron and AD, Kyrie and KD, you know, Philly's huge lineup, um, or a Kawhi with the Raptors when you just have Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo to really go with? Are you guys stupid? Are you crazy? Are you dumb? Which one? You could pick one. Seriously, pick one because no, they're not. They're really not. They're going to need all the magic in the world to become great. <laughs> no pun intended there? Or Dot, dot, <laughs> dot. And moving on. We've got, you know, those are the big moves. Um, now we're going to talk about the, the second tier moves. You know, and yes, it's a second tier move because Jimmy Butler, you are not a tier one superstar in this league. Jimmy Butler has taken his talents to South Beach, you know, on a four year, $142 million deal. Hassan Whiteside has made his way to the Portland Trailblazers, you know, teaming up with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as an as a replacement or temporary replacement for Yusuf Nurkic. How do we feel about this? How do we feel about, you know? Jimmy Butler taking his talents to South Beach. Are the Miami Heat now, you know, a playoff contending team, or are they still bottom of the barrel? For one, if you have the name Butt in your name, you automatically become <laughs> a Tier 2 player. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. But um, I don't think Jimmy Butler cares that much about winning a championship, and I don't really get that vibe from him. Even when he got to Miami... He didn't really show any signs of, oh, I want to win this championship. Let me go to a Rockets. Let me go to the Clippers. Let me pair with someone else and get this dub. No, he just wanted to go to warm weather, beautiful women, comfort, and being the sole focal point of the offense. And to Hassan Whiteside, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I mean... With Jimmy Butler going to Miami, it just seems like it was a, you know, kind of a, I feel like Dwayne Wade kind of pursued him to come over. Um, you know, he, hey, you can be the guy. Miami will love you. Just kind of end it here. Beautiful weather all year round. Like, why, why complain? But I also think he didn't want to, um, I don't know if he really wanted to sign with the Sixers, right? I don't think he wanted to sign with the Sixers because of all that all-stars, you know, that, that massive lineup that they had with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like, he, he wasn't the guy when he got there. 
right? He wasn't the guy. He wanted out of Minnesota for his own reasons. Um, didn't anticipate going to the Sixers, but when he got there, you know, he performed in the playoffs. He did close out a couple games, and he did make a close, gave us a challenge, you know, until Kawhi hit that shot. But I think he'll be the best. He's obviously going to be the best player on Miami. Not going to be scared to face them, to be honest, in the East. They're not going to be a huge threat. I see them being a bottom seed, making the playoffs, maybe contending a little bit, six games in the first round maybe, but it's definitely going to be a first-round exit for them. Um, I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't want to knock the guy for saying he doesn't want a championship. I'm pretty sure he does, but they're not getting one, or he's not getting one at least. Jimmy Butler's main motivation to come to Miami Heat was to get closer to Gabrielle Union. Well then, that got a little awkward, so we're going to take our talents to the West End. How do we feel about these other, you know, Tier 2 moves? You know, we got a young, wicked core in um, the Sacramento Kings who have now added, you know, some considerable depth. They've added Corey Joseph. They've added, um, they've added, uh, they've even added a Trevor Ariza um, to like, what? You know, to a De'Aaron Fox, to a Willie Cauley-Stein, to a to a Buddy Heald. How do we feel about the Sacramento Kings going forward? You know, does this make them, you know, into that playoff team? Or are we, are, are we riding high with the New Orleans Pelicans who, you know, seem to have won the NBA draft and are now, you know, kind of winning free agency in their own way by adding a seasoned, amazing shooting vet in J.J. Redick? Which one of those two teams got the bet? got the better haul in free agency, and which one of them, you know, is ultimately making the playoffs? Nissan. I mean, I would still have to say Pelicans because they do have the number one pick in Zion Williamson. Um, both teams are probably going to be my NBA watch for the entire season. Like, I'm going to want to, I'm going to do my best. I mean, I know they're Western, West Coast teams, but I'm going to do my best to watch some Pelicans and, and Sacramento basketball because that Sacramento young core that they have and the additions with Harrison Barnes re-signing uh, Trevor Ariza and Corey Joseph, like you have that veterans with the mix of the young guys, it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be almost, they're gonna be playing a lot of run and gun. And Darian Fox, listen, most improved, right nominee. He's gonna get better. It's it's gonna happen, folks. It's gonna happen. But I mean, I don't put them over the Pelicans, right? The Pelicans got really good players, and pending that they can stay healthy in Lonzo Ball, Ingram as well, and even Williamson as well, right? Pending that they all stay healthy. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they both make the West, you know, the, the playoffs. Because the West right now, it seems kind of wide open with the whole shift in talent going to the East as well. I think it's 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 fair to say it is wide open. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans even got the eighth seed this year. They have a lot of talent, young talent. They're going to be flashy. They're going to be fun. You can already see it right now. Lonzo Ball throwing lobs to Zion. Man, that's going to be so exciting. Fox. And the Kings, they're going to be good, but I feel like they have some time. They're going to be very, they need to be very patient, you know, in their development. They got Harrison Barnes, but they're not going to be an incredible team for, I'd say, like another three or four years. Um, they're going to be one of those teams that come out later half, in the later half of their careers, for example. I, go ahead. I think the main thing we need to, to focus on more is Griff did an amazing job, and I have more faith in Griff and the Pelicans than many other teams in the NBA. So you got to watch out for that. All right. And now we move on to, you know, the important segment, the New York Knicks. 
Well, this is going to hurt like a mother. All right. Let's talk about the New York Knicks and their incredible haul in NBA free agency. You know, they traded Kristaps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks, you know, and he re-upped with them on a five-year deal. And the whole point of the Knicks trading him was, you know, saying, we're going to go after some big-time free agents. Knicks fans were thirsty, and their thirst got quenched with Todd Gibson, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Reggie Bullock. How do we feel about the Knicks and their title chances this year? Nissan. I don't, I don't like the tonality you use on those names. Listen, those guys are not bad players. I would say they are professional blue-collar players. Um, they're no mean... They, they, I, I wouldn't put them on, like, the jokes. Like, real professional blue-collar players. And I think they're going to be... They're not fun to watch. I'll be honest. They're not going to be fun to watch, but they definitely did lose big time in free agency. And we already know the reports came out with Brian Dolan saying he was hesitant because of the whole... James. Uh, yeah, Dolan, James Dolan. He was hesitant with, you know, KD and the Achilles injury. They were supposed to land the number one pick. That didn't happen. They were supposed to get Kyrie. That didn't happen. They obviously didn't sign KD. Um, and it kind of, I mean, I think they got flustered and they kind of just got these little, small little pieces. But you know what? Hey, I heard that they're going to go for Giannis next year and they're probably going to get rejected too. Honestly, man, the Knicks. I feel bad for them. Um, they had the ambition to get big name free agents this year. That clearly uh, didn't go as planned. We were seeing the posters of Zion, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. And now you'll see posters of Bullock, Portis, and Julius Randle. But um, honestly, like Nissan said, they're going to be a very gritty team. They're going to be a tough team. They're going to be playing under Fizz. So, I don't know what you could really expect, but I just know that they're not going to be that good. Not to mention not to mention that the Knicks were kind of a disappointment for the last 19 years. I mean, credit to Bill Simmons. The Nets have made two finals appearances since 2000, while the New York Knicks made zero. Uh, who made the playoffs? Well... From 2000 till now, the Nets made the playoffs 10 times, and the Knicks made it 5 times. So, I mean, again, not surprising. Um, Dolan needs to sell a team. I think once that happens, or if that ever happens, maybe then we'll see the resurgence of like the Knicks um, you know, being the biggest franchise. You know who I really feel bad for? I really feel bad for Stephen A. Smith. Why? I'm still amazed by the, the stuff that comes out of your mouth. Like, I... I I mean, he's the biggest New York Knicks fan, and he was—he even thought they would get Durant and Kyrie, and that didn't happen. This dude almost cried on national television. Let's be real. Honestly, every tear he almost cried brought me joy, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm a Raptors fan, okay? And for all the slander you were spewing on the Raptors, I hope the Knicks suck forever. You know what? They got the best player available at one point. You know and you know who that player was? Who's that? Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> so let's give it up to the New York Knicks. Let's give it up everybody. And with that, let's move on to all right. The goal that we know we know what's going to we're, we're lo- like looking forward to to this NBA se- like the season actually starting. Uh, 
you know, we're in free agency right now, but also Kawhi has not resigned. Danny Green is awaiting, co-waiting um, Kawhi's decision before he makes his decision. So, you know, the West is wide open. The East has gotten this huge shakeup. You know, we haven't even mentioned teams like the Utah Jazz who made like an incredible trade for Mike Conley. Who who are your top who is your top four seed in the Western Conference this this next season? Um Nisan. Well you have to put the Lakers there. I mean I know they don't have any depth at all. And at the time of this recording, they don't have Kawhi Leonard and I don't think they're gonna get him. But I would put the Lakers up there, the Denver for sure will be up there. Utah is my dark horse pick to make the Western Conference Finals. Um, the fourth team, if I can pick one off the top of my head, you know what? Um, I'm gonna put. You know what? I'm gonna put New Orleans up there. You have New Orleans making yeah. the fourth seed. Yeah. Well then, move. this might change in about a month or two months time, but I'm gonna put them up there for now. Well, how many pills? How many pills did you take? Not a lot, but maybe a few. I, I Seven, just, you know what, eight. you know what, racks, racks. Let's, 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 let's bring this back to earth. Who are your, who is your top four um, NBA teams in the Western Conference for the next season? Okay, so for one, I think a team that we're kind of sleeping on is the Houston Rockets. I definitely think that if they could put aside all the drama that is going on, especially with Golden State out. This is a real opportunity for them. I also think the Utah Jazz are going to be incredible this year, adding Mike Connolly, pulling away the focal point that is normally targeted towards Donovan Mitchell, adding Bojan Bogdanovic. I hope I got his name right. But he's also another low-key threat. Another team that's going to be great is Denver. They proved it. They're going to be very good. Not much to say about them. And also, I'm going to have to say maybe the OKC Thunder, um, especially because of what transpired last year. I think they're going to be motivated. You got Russell Westbrook hanging out with LeBron James, asking him the formula of success. And I hope that it'll work this year, please. Well, the fo- I can tell you the formula right now. You don't need to. You don't need to get it from LeBron. You um, go to a new team. You demand that you trade all your pieces for one player, and um, yeah, you just go from there, right? So, with that, we end your day one recap of NBA free agency, guys. Any closing remarks? You know, I I, I got one. Your Raptors are still the reigning, defending NBA champions. Boys not get the memo. I'm just add this one thing. Uh, Kawhi is still a fun guy. And that's all, folks. See you guys later. Peace, peace.